Hi, Honeymooners. Natasha and I are coming to a city near you. And we'd love you to come see us and support us doing live stand-up comedy. As for me, I'm going to be going to the Comedy Club on State in Madison this very weekend for five shows. I love that club. I'd love to see you there. I'll also be at the Troubadour for the Netflix is a Joke Festival on May the 12th. That's just one night, one show, just me. But Natasha and I are going to be doing a live Endless Honeymoon podcast taping for the Netflix is a Joke Festival on the 4th of May. Then I'm going to the Punchline in Philadelphia. That's in July. Would love to see you there. I'm going to be going to the Punchline in Sacramento in August. And I'll be going to the DC Improv uh, the weekend before the election, before we figure out what hell we hath wrought. Come see me at any of those dates. Oh, yeah, one more. I'll be at the Bell House in New York on July the 11th. I'd love to see you there, New York City. Natasha, you got anything? Why don't you come see me in Brea? If you live in Orange County, I think that's Orange County. I don't even know, but come to Brea. I'll be there in April. I'll also be at the Chicago Improv in April. And if you can't see me in Chicago, why don't you come to Tempe in May? Tempe, Arizona. I'll also be in Boston, but that's not till October. I think I might take the summer off. Go to NatashaLegero.com. Or MosheCasher.com. And get some tickets. To see the both of us. And also make sure that you come to our Patreon-supported Dinner party this Sunday. That is on St. Patrick's Day. What else are you doing? It is a dumb holiday. I'm sorry. If you are not yet a member of the tier that gets you into the dinner parties, go ahead and upgrade. Upgrade that. You could downgrade afterwards. I mean, we don't have real rules. Order your corned beef and cabbage from the local pub. DoorDash that shit to your house. Yep. Log on. 6 p.m. Come mess with us. It's a really great way. Pacific. To connect to the community of the Endless Honeymoon Podcast and also to connect to your lovely hosts. Welcome to the Endless Honeymoon Podcast Oscar Night Edition. Natasha, you are dressed to the nines. You know, I got it in Chinatown and... Did you really? Yeah. Did you get this accent in Chinatown? Mm-hmm. You got a new, a whole new thing mm-hmm. you're doing. Listen, it's a fa- it's a fake fancy outfit, but we were invited to a party, so I threw it on. What I am struck with with your outfit here, Natasha, is and this is going to be kind of a similar bit to the bit that we did uh, on our 200th episode. But I have to point it out: we got invited to a. V- I'm not dressed like the don't, couch. Don't, I'm not. You're not dressed like the couch at all. You're not dressed like the couch in any way. That wasn't even close to where I was going with this. We got invited to a party. Through Natasha's deep Hollywood connections. I'm her plus one. It's humiliating. I feel cucked out. It's an Oscar viewing party. Hosted by the one and only Byron Allen. And after the Oscars, performing this evening for an intimate crowd is the legendary Diana Ross. That's why I'm going. And that's why you're dressed like the legendary Diana Ross. We have the same birthday. Oh, you think that's how it is? Yeah, and and honestly, Coke Money, my CD that mm-hmm. I put out, was like a direct, you know, steal. Oh, it was an imitation of one of her album covers? Uh-huh. Oh, nice. What was it? What album was of hers? I don't remember. That's kind of cool. So it, you took... It's like a whole photo shoot she did that was like all diamond heavy. Mm, that's kind of cool. So you took I the... don't expect her to be impressed with me. I just want to meet her. So just so, maybe here's an opener for you. You say... I took the um, emotional, creative, and intellectual <laughs> labor of an African-American superstar 
and I co-opted it for my own financial gain. And I called for my it- album Coke money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen. Listen, we're going to see Diana Ross. I'm so excited. But Diana Ross is like, uh, you know, not just an icon, but a guru. She is she is she like deep also. She's a deep guru for me. I think I think uh, because of her birthday and we have the mm. same birthday, I always thought of her as like a mentor. So I'm very excited to see her. I do not expect her to appreciate me in any way, but She'll I would love to get a photo with her I'm, if possible. I'm feeling like that's very possible. Natasha, who else is a sh- uh, shared birthday with you? Tennessee Williams. That's a good one. That's solid. Robert Frost. That's Poet. real good. Yeah. yeah. Diana Ross, Tennessee Williams, and Robert Frost. Those are good. It's like deepness. What about you? What about your birthday, July 6th? S- similarly deep, to be honest. Is it Hitler? Uh, no, that's uh, April Eight. 20th. I have another boyfriend who's. <laughs> oh, nice. April okay. 20th. You have another boyfriend currently I mean, or an ex boyfriend? I had an ex boyfriend, okay. and I was thinking it was you who had Hitler's birthday, but no. you have David Bo- Bowie's birthday. Do I? July 6th? That is my birthday. But I who, who are your birthday people? Is it not sim, David Bowie? Similar deepness level to Robert Frost, Tennessee Williams, and Diana Ross. Uh, Sly Stallone. <laughs> Madonna. Ooh, Madonna. That's not bad. I believe it's Madonna. I could be wrong about that. But most importantly, the one and only Kevin Hart. Not only does Kevin Hart okay. and I That's respectable. share a birthday, we share... We're the same age, exactly. We were born on the same day, same year. Interesting. I always think of you as being very young, so I'm going to start thinking of Kevin Hart as being young as well. Listen, our guest is waiting for us. Absolutely, we should. Let's get to the to the meat of the thing. Uh, We have a very special guest today. Uh, I'm excited for this fella to come on. Unfortunately, he's outside of state lines, so he's going to be here zooming in. Oh man! But you know him from Reservation Dogs, and he's an activist and a comedian and the founder of the 1491 Comedy Troupe. I'm excited. The one and only, Dallas Goldtooth. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Dallas. Can We can't see you, but we can hear you. We're going to see if I can. All right. Hey, there, it is. there you are. There's your pretty face. How are you doing? I'm good. How hey. are you guys doing? Good. I'm Moshe. Hey, Dallas. Thanks for doing this. It's Natasha. Yeah. I'm sorry I can't be there in person. Same. Where Thank are you? you? I, I'm in Chicago. Ah. I'm from Rockford, Illinois. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. It's uh, I know nothing about Rockford other than it's on the way home to Minnesota. It's it's a pass-through city. Well, my fam my mother is you from You know all you need to know. <laughs> my mother is from Duluth, so uh Chicago to Minnesota, that's that's our whole world too. Is is that Oh, snap. You're so you're you're a Midwest kid in yes. heart, would you say? Yes. And I I actually wish, you know, I think here's like a problem with being born from the Midwest. I remember we really never had many vacations and fun things to do. And it would have been nice to, you know, go to the lakes or go. You never went to a lake? You never did lakes? (laughs) Just a lake? Oh. You went to Minnesota, but you didn't visit a lake. We would we would like stop on the freeway and sleep. Dallas, aren't there like? <laughs> did a lot- you ever get to see the stars? Did you see the sky? <laughs> we, we really didn't. They we- weren't allowed to, Dallas. They couldn't afford <laughs> well, it. Well, there wasn't like no one knew to do that, so we would just like drive to Minnesota and then like stop on the side of the road and sleep in the car. Now, Dallas, you're you're yeah, from you're yeah. from Minnesota, from the Minnesota. Uh, I I am proud, born and raised. Now, I'm tell me Minnesota. if I'm wrong here. There's um. A couple of lakes. They have lakes there. 
Just a handful. Yeah, just a couple of lakes here and there. Could have gone to a fucking lake. Hey, yeah. I wasn't driving. I don't know. I mean, Dallas Gold Tooth. She had no power. That was that's, that's right. Situation. <laughs> Dallas Gold Tooth, actor, comedian, activist. I was curious. Um, do you f- what's the relationship between comedy and activism? Is it difficult to make things that are activism worthy funny, or do you find it a natural connection? Oh, it's so fucking hard, man. Like, yeah, I, I can't. It's it's so hard. Like, um, you know, I I'm relatively new to the world of acting, right? Mm-hmm. And and I've been organizer activist for for many many years, and you know, I'm I'm trying to get into you know acting and writing and doing other stuff. I'm I'm been talking about a podcast, and I had a couple of meetings, and where folks were like, "Oh, that's great! You were an organizer. You did activism, and now you're doing comedy. Can we do a?" comedy activism podcast and i'm like dude that's so f- it's so f- hard to think like it's hard to bring those worlds together for me almost because of just like the personas involved i think are so strong but um you know i i guess in my activism i tried my best i always kept like i've been known as a joker i'm as known as a comedian in my activism but going the other way going the other way and the like i don't know how to bring it so that people can understand it has always been a challenge for me. Yeah, well, the, the, and it should be because it's not funny. <laughs> yeah, some, 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 it isn't. <laughs> it's like someone was like, "Oh, you should do a podcast on climate change. You should do. You should talk about climate change and make it funny." I'm like, it's not like I'm not going to sit there with celebrities and talk about what feel good thing they did uh, at their outside their Trader Joe's. Like that's not funny and that's not really doing anything okay blanchett telling you about how she started recycling more robustly yes yeah. yes yes <laughs> what um i'm curious what um what is the thing right now that you are kind of fired up about what is what is the i, I was reading a little bit of, of, about Ar- arctic pipelines and stuff like that but you know more obviously more about it than us what's the and make it really oh. really make it really 10 out of 10 funny okay so <laughs> yeah, just make like, it funny <laughs> let's, let's talk about saving the world one you know, do shampoo made by Gwyneth Paltrow at a time. Here we go. One goop. Um, One goop at a time. It's called a goop shampoo, honey. Yeah, yeah. We're goop gooping. shampoo. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to offend anybody out there. Well, let's get into it. What is it about <laughs> the rich Hollywood elite that annoys you so much? And who do you have for your best picture pick? <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I, you know, I actually, it's not even that. I, I, I don't have enough. I don't really care enough about like where celebrity and the celebrity culture of activism because it's needed. There is a role. There's a, there is a lane for celebrities and people who are influencers who have a following. And really it's about amplifying the voices of people who are doing the work. It's amplifying the struggle. It's amplifying what needs to be done. Um, And sometimes people are, there are activists, there are organizers there. I mean, there are celebrities and influencers who are doing the work but for the most part i think that it's just getting out of the mindset and this is not just some a challenge for celebrities but for all of us is getting out of the mindset of an individualistic kind of approach to organizing that i as an individual doing my part so we're good and really it's about collective organizing that's how we build power that's how we move forward and connecting the dots is is absolutely essential for creating change as far as where the, the big where i'm like super interested in or what is what is uh fueling my fire 
Oh man, it's a whole range. I mean, the world's on fire, right? The, right. the, the, the but, shit's fucking chaotic. Let, but can, can I ask you a question? What is the opposite of an individualistic approach in terms of what you're talking about? Well, I, I feel like so for a number of years, I was I was organizing against the Keystone XL pipeline, which was a large scale oil pipeline that was going to be transporting oil from the tar sands of Alberta, Canada, down to the Gulf of Mexico. And we fought that for almost a decade. And there was a lot of celebrity engagement. I mean, that was a big part of our strategy was to get greater awareness, to get celebrities to tweet about it and and show up for uh, um, these meetings or show up for events to help amplify it. Um, and I think that. How did it work? It, we beat it. We fucking won. Like that's it, amazing. Yeah. Well, that yeah, was a big. Yeah. That was a big story. In in twenty six, uh, was it twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen? President Obama eventually uh, killed the pipe. Said you know denied the president per, the permit for for it, and then Trump got in. He brought it back to life, but we fought it again and fought it off, fought it off enough to where it was dead in the tracks, and the the company Trans Canada um, had to basically abandoned the project, which is fucking awesome that was a massive oil pipeline that was killed by frontline people native peoples like white ranchers and farmers all across nebraska and south dakota who really came together is that right that there was a lot of ranchers coming together with indigenous groups to fight against the pipeline yeah dude that was just crazy man like i one of the first meetings i ever went to it was like this uh it was a public hearing in south dakota it was about the pipeline route and there's all these native folks in there who are talking about why they were there. And there was these like white ranchers. There's this white rancher um, guy that was there with his wife. John Dutton, right? Was... From, from Yellowstone. <laughs> no. Yeah. But he shows we up. Love you know, him. He's wearing like, he's wearing his like American cap, uh -huh. veteran cap, everything. <laughs> and, you know, he's a proud Republican right wing voter, con strong conservative from Western Nebraska. But he was against this project because it was impacting his property rights and it was an issue for him as eminent domain mm -hmm. but long story short fast forward like four or five years later the same guy who still proud conservative that didn't change but what did change is that when he got up and sp spoke about why he was fighting this pipeline he was like it's not just about my my rights but it's also about indigenous rights and treaty rights wow it's about the right for people to have access to clean water and to have uh, a, a way a say about what happens to their land water and issues and are the land, body, and water. And it was just a really great, great see, thing to see that that's the collective organizers, right? We brought people in who were, who came into it with their individual approach. I'm only here because this impacts me in this limited way. And then by connecting the dots to other people's fight, his approach was like, okay, I'm in this because we are all collectively against this for the greater good. That's super. And that's that amazing. Was, that was the power of that. That's really powerful because I'm sure, as I'm sure you and everybody else that's listening is aware, we've become walled off behind ideology to such a degree that like, even if someone is your natural bedfellow in terms of your struggle or the thing you're fighting for, if they don't act like you vote like you look like you you'll say that's my enemy i'm not inv i'm not involved so that's that's really powerful work mm -hmm. to 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 work so hard that you can sort of transcend that kind of trench warfare that we're in the middle of oh absolutely i think that's you know it, i think it comes with the lived experience of growing up in the midwest where i i grew up in southwest minnesota and south dakota a little bit i i'm native american i'm dakota and like i 
I grew up the I grew up just being surrounded by white folks, and a lot of times there's poor white farmers or just middle class white kids and white folks around me. And when you're in the Midwest, especially in rural Midwest, you get the whole you get the right wing, you get the left wing, you get all that, and everyone else in between. And it really is a different sense of community when you're when you're immersed in that. So I feel I like to feel like that really influenced me as far as my approach to activism, organizing, and just working in community. I got a question for you because uh, you've I think explained pretty clearly the power of collective action. I don't find I mean obviously the I've done enough uh, disease is an issue, but the bigger issue to me I think is I can't do anything. It's like how, it, 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 it's like you don't even get to the point where you're. Um, posting on Instagram about how, how great the activism you're doing is because you're just sitting in fear going like, what good does it do if I do anything? Right. How do you, how do you get from, from your couch to, to starting, you know, like how do you get a rid of that feeling of, I can't, I can't change anything. So I might as well do nothing. Oh man. I mean, that's that, the, the, we we get paralyzed. Right. And, and then also the anxiety, we have this climate anxiety or we social justice anxiety shit shit is happening so fast that you can't help but sometimes be a fucking deer in headlights and you're like oh fuck i can't i don't know what to do do i jump left or right where do i go and you know i don't have a clear answer for that but i feel like what we are doing i think we are we're getting better meaning that i think with like with social media and the power of the internet and social media we there was a freaking steep learning curve of how we communicate issues and problems and, and and activate folks to get involved. Now, I really, I really think back to 2020 was a key moment for us across, at least within the United States, right? Of like, yeah, the pandemic, but then you had all the social, social justice issues around movement for Black lives happening at the same time. And what we saw is what I think you're, you're what the question you're referring to is like, what do I do? What's my part to play? Is people started instigating questions within their world within what, what what they had impact over right so people started asking about okay how, how does my city involve it might be engaged in anti-blackness how is my institution involved in this how is like how is our um my the schools how are schools involved in promoting anti-blackness and how do we confront that so i think these it starts with little questions around the realm of influence that you have now a person that has a podcast of a million followers or a million listeners, or even a podcast of 50,000 has a greater reach than maybe just Joe Schmo, who's just works at a nine to five and somewhere down the street, but there still is a realm of influence that they may have. And, it, and it's having constant dialogue with folks around them and say, Hey, what are we doing about this? Or what's your thoughts on this? I, I, my, a lot of my activism time lately, well, the past two years was really focused on divestment right to how do we divest from fossil fuels how do we dive how do we hold the people who are giving money to the corporations who are killing this planet how do we hold them accountable and that really is a, a way in for a lot of folks saying how is my how are the institutions i live in and a part of and feed into feeding the killing of this planet and so uh that's uh, that was a great eye-opening from experience for me is i work with folks to say okay where are you putting your money mm. And the people you're giving your money to, who are they giving money to? And do you support that or not? And if not, move your money somewhere else. Well, we have 85% of our savings in Exxon and it's Shell. It's cold in my 
I don't have a. I don't have heat in my little office here, and I'm. And so oh, you're 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 pers- You're personally divesting. Natasha oh. and I have eighty five percent of our income um, invested in Exxon and Shell Oil. Is that bad? No, we're just kidding. We're just joking. <laughs> no, but let me ask you this: as you know, a person trying to teach people in the next generation as a father, like what do you think we can do as parents to try Oof. to? Because that is really who we're relying on, right? Yeah. Like this, this new, these new kids, these new people who are learning about the earth in a new way. I know my kid is, and she has a very specific view of the world and what could kill it. And she's being, you know, indoctrinated in a good way, I guess, about like climate change and recycling and what her part is and saving the earth and graffiti and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we gotta stop graffiti and big oil. Those well, are our no, two big No, but she's like, like when oh, we go, man. but when we go hiking and someone has like you know done a graffiti sign on a tr- on a tree she gets upset or you know if yeah she's like a little cop basically no but i hey, just... how, how old is your how old is your kid she's 35 she's five no she's five years old <laughs> you have kids right i have kids i have five kids whoa five kids yeah um and it's a range i got we have a 21 year old and we have a three-year-old. So, like, w- with with the younger kids, uh, to Natasha's question, how much of this? Yeah, what do you teach about? How much of the? Because you know, being this deep in the activism game, you know some dark shit about the world. How much of that scary stuff do you give to them in terms of your education and to, and and teaching them how to be activists too? Like, what do you tell them? Oh man, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, there was a point there where talking with my my wife, we were like. We kind of don't want to bring any more kids into this world, given the future that they may have, right? Well, after like, five, that yeah, you, is a very valid. Yeah, you capped yourself at yeah. five. You're like, we, you yeah. know what? Five. We're like, we only need you know five. What? Maybe eight. We'll get to eight. And we'll reconsider. I think it's five funny. Is respectable. It's crazy. You got to five kids before you had that conversation. We had one no, kid, we, and we were like, we don't want to bring any more kids into this world, not for activism purposes, but just so that we could go to Europe. Oh, that's real. That's yeah. real. Um, no, our it's a it's a question I struggle with on a daily basis of like how do I bring my child up into this world that knowing that there's a good chance that their future is going to be a bit more difficult than mine. Right. Um and you know, the best I can do is is just to keep to my values and principles and make sure do my best to to pass that on, right? And and really to I think the hope is that our children develop a greater sense of empathy, not only for their lives, but for for the lives of people around them and folks that they don't even know, and have a greater sense of emotional intelligence. I think that if that's that's something that I've, I think I've learned over the years is is having a, a greater sense of emotional intelligence about why I'm doing the things I'm doing. Why, you know, in every, every decision I make, I try to make that moment to stop and say, okay, What's where? Why, why am I doing this? And where am I at in this? And I think that's something I really like to teach, teach, pass on to my kids, hoping that they can contribute that to the, be a part of their contribution to society. Why do you uh, sp- spend so much of your life energy fighting? I mean, I'm sure it gets tiresome, and that it'd be nice to just focus only on Hollywood stuff. You got great acting jobs recently. You were in Reservation Dogs, a really great show. Like, is there some? Do you struggle with that split? Like, God, I just want to give up and just indulge myself in pleasure and stop fighting. Oh, yeah. I think that there's a balance of like, 
when do we, how do we stop, um, you know, you're fighting against something and how much time do you get to fight for something? Mm. So just recently, like this is a recent update. Like I, for the you know, past nine years, I worked for an, a, a nonprofit organization called the Indigenous Environmental Network. Amazing organization supports frontline indigenous communities across Turtle Island, AKA North America. And I had to make the decision to step away because one, I was tired. I am tired. I was just got like, you know, just kind of like just burnt out. And then two, there was more opportunities coming up to write, to be in, I was, I was a part of the writer's room for uh, reservation dogs or some other writing opportunities coming up. And then there's the acting on top of it. And so I was like, you know what? I want to take a moment to explore this other side of me that I haven't had to get, get to explore the creative side of me. Your talent. To, energy energy yeah. wise it's like it's so hard to let go but like you know creative wise like your creativity is your talent and that is not necessarily returning calls and getting people on the front lines and it's so yeah. challenging yeah it's a tough one so i i've moved away i'm i'm doing contract work with my organization i'm gonna help provide strategy and and advisement on on the key campaigns but you know what has always moved me is I've never lost sight of what we're fighting for. You know, we're fighting for a living economy. We're fighting for sustainable development within our communities. We're fighting for self-determination that, that communities get to decide for themselves what happens to the air, their water, their bodies. And, you know, I think that we are in a moment of just transition, meaning that, you know, we all believe, I, I mean, I'm a firm, I, I know I'm, I'm not a freaking idiot. Like we can't shut off the valves right at this moment. We can't, you know, completely just wake up tomorrow and be fossil free because our infrastructure is not set up that way. Things are, are not set up in a way to make it sustainable, but we have to transition towards a better future. Absolutely. Like right now. And the energy. But we have to do it. We have to do it in a just manner. I think that's the key thing. Mm -hmm. and, and also like, Acting and every every enterprise, every creativity, every life force, like everything needs passion behind it because capitalism is like absorbing everything. So I think that like yeah. the more in our careers we can like try to have activism and the more in, you know, every element of our lives we can try to have activism is really important because... Um, you know, we're being kind of swallowed whole by this uh, money energy that is very hard to, uh, you know, it's Break very, free of. yes. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like the, like the way the system is designed and in the way our society is set up is it's really hard for us as a society to radically imagine a future that's livable, that's just. Like we can, as creatives, as as creatives, we can talk about a world. We can fucking make Avatar movies and all this other shit out there. But to imagine how we as a society can actually make steps to make some of those dreams possible, it's really fucking hard. And so like we need to create space for ourselves to live in our contradictions, to know that, hey, yes, we want a better future, but right now... Like we we are dependent on things that are killing the planet to live in that contradiction, but also to move towards mm. a better and just society and, and allow ourselves to dream of that future so that we can manifest it. So is being an activist uh, on some level is being an optimist. 
are, are you an optimist and do you have an optimistic view oh, of yeah. the future oh yeah i'm totally optimist i used to I used to piss off people because I was so such an optimist in my organizing work because they're like, aren't you supposed to be mad? I'm like, it's fucking funny. Like, yeah. this is so dysfunctionally funny that you can't help but laugh. Like, you're we're in the middle of a fucking courtroom in the middle of like nowhere, a pier, South Dakota, and there's all literally all these suits coming in, flying in. Like, we're in a bad 1980s action movie right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. where all the suits come in from Denver and they're here to take the land. Like, it's like, come on now, you can't have to laugh about this. So, I mean, I think that is like maybe the connection. Um, for, well, I, I want to know more. I want to hear. We also have people who are waiting oh, yeah, to we talk do? to Okay, us. fine, fine, fine. Oh, oh actually, one, one last note, one, one quick note is I wanted to say this. There is a difference. I, I see myself more as an organizer as opposed to activist. And mm -hmm. there's like those things often get confused. Yeah. And so I always like to take an opportunity to really break it down that there is a difference between an activist and an organizer. And there's nothing inherently bad about either one of those. But I am a strong advocate that we need more organizers. An activist is somebody who you can depend on to show up. Something's going down. That like the the school board is just, wants to make a wants to burn all the books. Mm -hmm. You're a person that you can depend on to show up and say that's fucking up we're not going to do that an at organizer is somebody that builds collective power to stop these decisions from happening whether beforehand or after or during and how do you and get so to be an organizer and so becoming an organizer is just the understanding of like you need to bring you can't do it alone mm -hmm. you have to pull folks in so in many ways we're all just little like we're all bits of organizers within us but really we need more organizers you need People more understand. leaders more leaders, more people willing to collaborate and connect and build power together. We're all so, into followers my... right now, but we need more leaders, unfortunately. But I think, but I think that it, Dallas made a really interesting point earlier that, that, that speaks to your, Natasha, and your anxiety about the internet. The internet obviously can be rotting, uh, have a rotting effect on children's heads and on society's uh, ability to get along. But in a very direct way, it also made mm. young people get all this more information. Like, I didn't have a real political thought, I feel like, until I was like, 28 years old like i didn't know who i didn't know who the the district attorney was in oakland <laughs> growing up uh, ever and i feel like every 12 year old now is like you know is saying you know we got we have to we have to impeach the district attorney of uh, and city councilman 42 like they're so savvy and so interesting oh, and so politically yeah. connected now that is a move forward it i think it is i look i talk to my kids i have two kids and and uh and uh in in high school and i was like dude you realize how fucking far ahead you guys are from where we were at like right in high school like you were either a jock or nerd or out there was only three categories right you were a jock a nerd or the outsider emo kid and like smoking cigarettes like at mcdonald's right <laughs> that's all we were allowed that's what you those are the lanes the jocks and were like unacceptable what else was there nerds Nerds, no Nerds. way. I was definitely more smoking cigarettes at McDonald's, but I didn't smoke the cigarettes. Yeah, what were you? I was the nerd. I was a nerd. Okay. That's why I identified. Uh, but it's just it, there is the advantages to it. Like I, there, we're progressing at such speed that's actually kind of. I think that feeds into our anxiety, right? Right. So yeah, no. Now, I know there's now, people waiting. I think no, right? now you have jocks, you have jocks, nerds, emo kids. You have people that are participating in activism against the XL pipeline. You have people that are trying to get to a hundred million followers on Instagram. You have people that are have burgeoning pop career, uh, pop music careers. Uh, things have changed. Um, Dallas. Okay, yes, we should get to the people, but um, 
should we talk about Reservation Dogs? Was that is that the you most exciting thing that's happened to you? It's such a great show. So backstory: Reservation Dogs. Uh, the showrunner his name is Sterling Harjo. He's a good friend of mine. Him, myself, along with uh, three other guys, we created a sketch comedy group about 15 years ago. And we just did YouTube videos. That's what we did, sketch comedy. And then we started doing live sketch comedy improv shows. And um, he got this show. And so he brought all of us on along with some other amazing writers to make it happen. And um, so I re- I'm really excited to have been on this journey. I mean, we just were about to start shooting season three next week. And um, it, I think it, my part, what I guess what I see in the show, Reservation Dogs, if you haven't seen it, is it, it's it's we're creating space to what I to do what I was saying is to radically imagine what does it mean to be indigenous, what does it mean to be native in America for a lot of folks because a lot of mainstream society don't really know what does it mean to be native in America, and now here's a chance for them to see that to understand what the hopes and dreams of a native kid living in mid in in middle of Oklahoma who's dealing with grief and and. How do we explore that grief and experience through comedy? I mean, it's it's a great show. It is a great show, uh, and and maybe that is the um, the connection piece between the first half of our conversation and this is like you you were talking about not being able to I, imagine a future in which you know we're not as dependent on fossil fuels, or not being able to imagine a livable and sustainable future with how awful things are currently. But also, probably twenty years ago, or even right before you guys started, uh, fourteen ninety one is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, imagining having a hit show on FX that 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 is uh, you know shines a light on just day to day life uh, for indigenous kids like that probably was a an unimaginable future that required <laughs> a kind of optimism to move forward. So it's like it, in in that way there's a there's maybe there's a metaphor for the the future of everything too. If you can do it creatively, mm-hmm. maybe you can do it societally. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm a firm believer in story based strategy and all the work that we do. Like, look, the world. The, what changes the world are stories. Mm-hmm. Where our entire existence is based on stories, right? What does it mean? To, what What is gender? What is currency? What is hierarchies? It's all fucking stories, man. That's all we're doing is just telling stories and then saying, "Yeah, you're right. Your story is legitimate, and their story over there is not legitimate." That's all we do. And so, in order to change the world around us, we just have to tell the fucking most enticing story ever. And that's that's the work of an organizer. That's the work of an activist. That's also the work of a writer and a comedian, whatever it may be, is we're just telling fucking stories and making them as enticing as possible. And if you can drop in little kernels of truth or a little like, you know, hey, a little nudge of saying, all right, this is where I'd like you to go. Like, that's fucking great. Well, there's no more enticing story than uh, in the future we'll be able to breathe. So I think that, <laughs> that is the story we must keep telling. All right, cool. Well, we All have right, some well, people waiting. I, I know that you are a father. Do you, are you able to take some relationship advice with us? Oh, hell yeah. I'm actually excited for this yeah. part. Okay. I would, <laughs> you've had, the, you've had the conversation we just had a million times. <laughs> But you'll never, <laughs> you've never done this. And I, yeah, I'm here for this. All right, here we go. We're going to call Adina in Tel Aviv. Oh, we've got an international caller. How exciting. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. Have you ever thought about taking out a life insurance policy with Fabric Life Insurance Every by Gerber day. to pay you out and our child out in case of my untimely demise? Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be awful? Fabric was designed by parents 
for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply, see your quote, and then get a personalized quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Is it a little bit of a dark thing to think about? Sure. But isn't it darker to think about your family being left in the lurch by you getting hit by a car? You know, my dad got life insurance, and when he died last year or a few months ago, um, I got a big big cash settlement fat payout if you want them kids of yours to get fat payout protect your family today with fabric by gerber life apply in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash honeymoon that's meetfabric.com slash honeymoon m-e-e-t fabric.com slash honeymoon policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. Would you mind looking at this growth I have on my groin and then possibly doing some help to get rid of it for I'm me? I'm good. Fine. You want me to go to a doctor? Then I'm going to call ZocDoc. I'm not going to call him. I'm going to click him because it's an app. You're extremely unlikely to find quality medical advice in your group chat, but you can find it from a doctor on ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They listen like a friend and give you the expert care that you need. I know we've said this before, but both Natasha and I used ZocDoc long before they became a sponsor of this podcast because it's the easiest way to find and book a doctor that is patient-reviewed, takes your insurance, and are available, this is the important part, when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. I don't want to call from office to office to office to see if there's available appointments. I go to ZocDoc, and I find all of the available appointments near me. And you can also see some of the available appointments are online for Zoom appointments. Some of them are in person. You can see how many miles they are from your home. You can see all of the doctor's reviews. It is an awesome app. I love this thing. Go to ZocDoc.com slash honeymoon and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash honeymoon. ZocDoc.com slash honeymoon. Adina. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. I'm a little nervous. I'm oh, don't excited. be nervous. We've we've already talked about the end of the world, about the power of storytelling, about collective organizing. I mean, at this point, this is this is going to be very easy. Adina, we're here we with us. We're here with uh, me, Natasha, Moshe, and our friend Dallas Gotooth. Yep. So Hi. say Hi. what's up, and let's get this party started. Adina, how can we help? Okay. It's a bit of a complicated story. So I'm going to do my best to just summarize. Well, Dallas was just talking about the power of storytelling. He loves a complicated (laughs) story. Let's do that. All right. (laughs) Strap in. It's going to be a long one. (laughs) Okay. Basically, um, I got married like the day before COVID pretty much and moved to a new town with my husband. And we became really close friends with this other couple. Um, and we all moved from Haifa down to Tel Aviv after about a year and a half. And I guess like, it's kind of important to mention that because none of our families live on the same continent, we kind of tend to become more like family. But, um, regardless, a a few months ago, they started acting super weird. And then I kind of confronted them and they basically dumped us. Um, 
but it gets better. So I sent in a message like about a week ago because she had reached out to me, like the wife and I were pretty close and was like, oh, I feel really bad. I'm, I feel immature that it took me this long to reach out. Uh, can we talk? And I wasn't sure if I should meet up with her, but I did end up meeting up with her. And as we were on a walk talking about things, there was a terrorist attack and we ended up having to shelter in a restaurant for about an hour. And then I kind of ran home because it was horrible. And now I just don't know what to do. Wait, you, you never got, oh, you never got your closure because something blew up? It was a shooting, but close. Okay, got it. That, so that's the question is, should you go back? How far into the conversation did you get before the attack happened? Like right at the, like, right when it, like, got to it. It was, like, honestly, couldn't have written it better. Aha. Uh-huh. Interesting. So that's the question. Should you call this person who's dumping you and doesn't want to be your friend anymore to go have the second half of an awkward conversation that was interrupted by a, by a shooting? Or do you just chalk it up? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Dallas? I am very much at peace. Like, I don't want to be friends with them, but we are in a lot of like the same social groups. Well, I wouldn't and say so, you're, I wouldn't say you're very much at peace. It was uh, interrupted by a shooting, but I, I hear your point. Right. That part was unfortunate. Yeah. What do you think, <laughs> Dallas? What do you do? Do you go back for bad information? I don't know. It's almost like, what do you get out of it? Like, what do you get out of sitting down saying, hey, all right, last time we did this was kind of crazy. You remember the whole shooting thing? But uh, can we talk about us? Like, I, it's just a weird situation. It's awesome. What are you trying to get out of it, right? If you're if you're at the place where you've moved on, then are you comfortable enough to deal with the discomfort when you might pop into the same places again in the same areas? Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's been a, like, it was like two months of like radio silence. And then she reached out. Why did they dump you? Do you really not know? Or do you kind of know? I have some theories. Let's hear these theories. <laughs> I talked to a lot of people because obviously my first instinct was to be that like, I'm awful. But then everyone who I talked to was like, no, they're pretty insecure and kind of like social climbers. But then they kind of realized that the people they were trying to social climb to, I'm friends with. So that's, I think, why she reached out. Because she started seeing me at all the parties that she was like trying to get invited to and kind of that kind of stuff. This but now every time we see them, it's just uncomfortable. And I wish I could just I said my piece and I was like, listen, like, I just don't understand why. Like, it's fine that we're not friends. I just don't really know why you treated me the way you did. We need to get out of the mires of yeah. these like negative friendships. Yeah, this feels simple to me. Part of getting older is that relationships just dissipate. Friendships just move on. And you if you, you just can't stay friends with the same people. As you, it just happens. It's a part of the process yeah. of aging. People move in separate directions. And there's no clearer indication that you're not on the same track anymore, friendship-wise, than them saying, I don't want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> it's just like, it's so clean and simple. It hurts. It's embarrassing. Yeah. But it's so easy to, you don't have to like, oh, hmm, I wonder if I should try to salvage it. It's just like, oh, it's oh, it's over. Mm-hmm. They did it for, they did the yeah. work for me. Dallas, you think? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a matter of like, okay, just, you may not have, there might be some unresolved questions out there, but you just have to accept it. That's kind of the way it is. It's a part of, part of moving on yeah yeah just to clarify i don't want to be their friends anymore no i know i (laughs) I get that yeah it was like the middle of a conversation 
So it's like this weird. It feels as if you have been given a sign that this conversation doesn't need to happen. And, and everyone's in their own. You have to have empathy also like everyone's in their own, she might be in her own state because of something that's happening in their personal life everyone's mm-hmm. got these own mini tornadoes that are happening in their world and then you all of a sudden get swept into it and it's like this is a good opportunity for you to forward your own way you know because it doesn't have to do with your friend's drama or you know your family's drama it's just focus on yourself we always i think i've said this on the podcast before but there's this saying in aa avoid the deliberate manufacture of misery and this there is no more uh, clear example of manufacturing misery than calling someone to have the second half of a conversation where they tell you you're not good enough to be friends with i mean there's nothing about that that seems pleasant at all especially when the first half was interrupted by a shooting just move (laughs) on fair point fair point (laughs) all right adina dallas any final words before we let adina go i was just thinking about this is when we we first moved into the where we live now uh i live in uh in chicago and there was a our kids played little league baseball and there was another couple there and they were a cool ass couple like we got along we hung out and it was like an intense friendship for about a good year like we had we were dating as couples in a way like intense Mm -hmm. and then it just kind of fizzled out and it was exactly we i didn't none of us like dwelled on it none of us felt the need to dive into it It just happens yeah and like you just have to accept it sometimes like couple uh, relationships and they start and end like you said and also i think something i think is i had i've have i've grown to learn is that Sometimes you or the other person feels like they deserve an answer or they deserve something. And even if you feel that way, it doesn't mean the other person has to come to the table. I totally agree. It is a matter of consent on both sides. And so sometimes you just have to accept it and be like, all right, I may, may want, I may want this or the other person may want it, but you're not in a position to give that. So no, I I completely agree. And I, I also feel like, when it comes to relationships kind of like moving on, like there's something, there's just something that's healthy about like, I can, I'm addicted to nostalgia. And so when I'm trying to salvage a relationship like that, it usually has to do with the fact that I keep thinking about the, the first year of my relationship with that person. And I'm ignoring the reality in front of me, which is I haven't actually had a healthy relationship with this person in years. <laughs> yeah. The majority of the time hasn't been great. I think also the other thing is for me, I'll, I'll just say for me, like in my experience, that sense of like, all right, I need closure. I need to talk about this. I need to, it's actually not about them or the relationship. It's actually about me. It's more of dealing with my own insecurities. A hundred percent. I want to know what I did wrong or what I did. And like, and at the end of the day, I just have to accept me for who I am and be like, all right, I don't want to know that. Or I don't need to know that. I already know. I already know my faults. I already know who I am. And let's just move on. Uh, yeah. I don't need another person to make me whole. I think is the, uh, is the the secret there. All right, Adina, thank you for calling. Thank you. Okay, farewell. All right, that was a short one, Dallas. Can we do one more? Yeah, I'm I'm game. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. You ever get so stoned that you disassociate from yourself and become a kind of walking, talking demon? Every day. Well, I recommend 
dad grass. For people that are getting too dang high but still want to smoke, try a joint that'll mellow you out without turning you into a servant of the evil Lord Agamemnon. I love dad grass. If you need an afternoon reset, do yourself a favor and snag five minutes for a dad grass toke break or two. They've got mom grass joints for the perfect pick-me-up to spark your creative flow or the original dad grass joints to quiet your mind after your nine to five. Dad grass is legal, smokable, organicable, hemp that relaxes your bodyable and mellows your mindable. The 100% organic pre-rolled joints are very low in THC and high in CBD so you can enjoy the effects of cannabis while keeping a clear head. All Dadgrass products are federally legal for ages 18 and over and it ships right to your door anywhere in the U.S. Right now, Dadgrass is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash honeymoon. Go to dadgrass.com slash honeymoon for 20% off your first order. That's dadgrass.com slash honeymoon. Hey, Tosh. Yeah, Mosh. You ever feel desperately alone, filled with anxiety, depressed about your situation in life, addicted to drugs? Never! Well, if you've experienced anything like that, or if you just want a little tune-up, Natasha and I go to therapy, and we found our therapist on Talkspace. Do you think seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist would be helpful, but you don't have the time to actually find one and meet with them or afford them? Try Talkspace. By doing everything online, Talkspace has made getting the help you want easy, accessible, and affordable. Now is the time to take your mental health seriously. At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. As a listener of this podcast, you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash honeymoon. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash honeymoon to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash honeymoon. Get $100 off your first month at Talkspace.com slash honeymoon. Okay, we're going to call Zach in Fremont, California. Never heard of this place? I have heard of it. I went to school. I've heard of Fremont. I went to a school called Seneca Center for the Severely Emotionally Disturbed Youngster <laughs> in Fremont, California. That is really sad, honey. It was a rough place. They had a padded cell in the classroom. Wait, you, you went to this place? I was a severely emotionally disturbed youngster. Zach. Wow. I went to, Zach, we're just catching everybody up on some <laughs> Fremont history here. Fremont, home of the biggest Afghan population in, I think, California, maybe in America, and also home of the Correct. Seneca Center for the Severely Emotionally Disturbed Youngster, my alma mater, where kids got locked in padded cells and somebody got stabbed in the neck on my first day there. And <laughs> Wait, I, you went to the school? Yes, it was the worst time of oh, my life. Oh, my God. Did oh, it make man. you more violent? It made me... No, it actually... It did the thing, hilariously, it scared me straight. Like, I was such a bad kid and such a, like, little wannabe, and I was just like, no one can tell me what to do ever. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to anybody. Fuck all these people. And then I got to that school, and I was like, yes, sir. No, sir. Like, get me out of this fucking school. Like, so I, found the, I found the will to follow the instructions. I would have done that, I, I was just waiting for him to lift up his shirt and say, this is where I got the knife wound right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fremont, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've been to Seneca, my, too? <laughs> my, my story is nowhere near as long, but I did spend five hours at the Fremont DMV once. Oh, that's I, equally, it's equally a, a center of 
Fremont, yeah. Fremont based suffering. <laughs> there was a stabbing as well. Yeah, there we go. Also <laughs> All right, Zach. Wow. How did I, how did I how did I like be able to escape you, you uh, Fremont? Uh, you're the only person on this call that hasn't suffered in Fremont. I think if Fremont is so like gentrified and rich, I don't. Uh, I'm surprised all these people are getting stabbed. Hey, well, shit changes, sounds brother. Sounds terrible to us. Yeah. Just so, you know. <laughs> right, so what's happening, Zach? How can we help? Uh, hey. Oh, so, uh, by the way, we Zach, have we have our friend Dallas Goldtooth here, a writer, an organizer, an actor, and a friend of the pod, and of course me and Natasha. How are you? I'm great. Um, can you sit back so, a little, Zach? Can you scoot that bad boy back? Yeah. You, you, you Zach, know, it's oh. harder than my car. Oh, no, no. Let you me, look. Let me try new stuff. Oh, that looks nice. Oh, there you're looking go. real okay. good now. Okay. Yeah, this is the this is the view that takeout gets. When you get to <laughs> <laughs> um, so I use she/her pronouns. Um, so my uh, issue, or the reason I'm calling, is because of my partner. Um, we have. Uh, bad communication and we've been dating for four years okay um and so basically i'm the very big on communication i talk a lot um i love to talk everything out when something's going wrong i like to talk about it i go to therapy every week i'm into that when we have a conversation about something important like our future or um something you know i'm a trans person and so like if i get gender dysphoria or something like that, um, she is completely silent. Mm. And so that's a hard thing to move forward with. Mm. And I love her and we get along and we have all these great things about our relationship, but our communication is just crap. Mm. Um, and uh, it's largely because she does not respond at all. Like I tell her something's going on and she gives me just silence. So she might be looking for you to lead her a little bit. When you try to lead her, she is she not responsive or does she shut you down? Do you feel? Yeah, that's correct. So I think, like I said, she doesn't say anything. So it's very, it's like kind of weird. Um, I'll tell her, hey, I'm having this feeling or hey, can we talk about this, this thing in our relationship? And I'll do all, she wants me to lead you or lead her, like you said, but I'll do all the talking. And she'll literally say zero things, which is really hard. And when do you ever have moments where you, I mean, I it, I don't, it's hard to believe that you, you eventually must talk about things, right? I mean, eventually communication occurs. It's just in moments of great psyche, uh, psychological or emotional intensity that she will shut down. Is that, am I getting that right? Um. The communication about serious things, I think, just doesn't happen. It's just one way, mm. um, which is a huge, like, you know, like I said, how am I going to move forward with this person? And we've already been together for years. Um, and I'm such a talker. Um, but she's such the opposite. And the communication really never happens uh, on any sort of serious topic. We could talk about Starbucks or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, uh, I, I'm curious. Is is she in therapy? Does she go to No, therapy? she's her uh her medical insurance sucks. There are mm. ways to still get therapy. But uh you know, sliding scale, et cetera, et cetera. But I, we haven't um go ahead. I'm just gonna say uh, a deal breaker for me is like communication. And if if you can't like speak on the same level as someone repeatedly, it might you know, it might be a sign that this is not a good person for you. 
Well, I always do this thing uh, where I, my feeling is that most people that call in sort of already have their answer. They already know the answer. I would say 90% of people call, calling in already kind of in their gut know what's up, but just want to verbalize it and have strange near strangers, but I would say incredibly large celebrities um, regard, <laughs> repeat back to them what they heard. So what you're telling me is you're in a relationship with somebody now four years and you never have serious emotional communication with that person. Never. Like on no level do you ever talk about things that go beneath the surface. Uh, that's what you what you're saying. Maybe it's not totally true, or you're overstating it because I can understand why you know you would do that. But that's what it sounds like. I mean, and to me, what does that sound like to you? What Dallas? How does that sound? Relation? You're a married man. How does that sound? Relationship? Why zero communication? I, it's it's not looking good. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough position to be because you are looking. The, the 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 concern here because i've I, I feel like i've been in a very sim uh, in a similar situation is if you're not having that emotional outlet because really that's what when you're talking trying to communicate with somebody you're also trying to find a place to help share some of the emotional load that you have and you might start wanting to find that elsewhere because you're not getting any feedback from your partner and so that's also a concern that could be ha could happen here is like you will start looking elsewhere for that emotional outlet, whether it's friends or therapy or whatever it may be. But the other person there is to help you carry that load. I mean, their job is not to make you happy, right? Your partner's job is not to make you happy, but it's also to help share and, and empathize. I know that in times in my past relationships, I've frozen up and I've been known to do that because there's a general like, a, like I am, I, I, I'm so afraid about making the wrong decision or saying mm -hmm. the wrong thing here that I will say nothing at all because my I'm so full racked with insecurity as far as like, how am I being a better partner here? And so I, I would freeze up and I had to really put a lot of work into it, but I had to put the work in, right? It's not my partner's job to put the work in for me to learn how to communicate. So that's my offer in here is it's, it's, it seems like they have a lot of work to do and you can't be in a place to lead them through that healing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Natasha. It, it, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Zach. Oh, I was just saying, I think you hit it right on the head. Like I do look around and like try to get this support from elsewhere and I would like to get it from my partner as well. So I wouldn't have to like rely on friends and kind of. But if you're going to have a partner in life, like they definitely have to trump. God forbid. Sorry. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> your friends, right? Like right. your partner yeah. is like a person who you have to unload on hourly. It's in the word. It's in the word. And they it, are and, they, they are your partner. Help you carry that weight and like be you and them against the world. And like you kind of need that support on a day-to-day -day level to get through life, I think. I have another question. Do you ever have a conversation with your partner about, not about the thing that you're going through, not about the stress and the emotional thing that you're going through, but about the way that you communicate? And how does she respond to that conversation? Like not, not I'm feeling insecure or I'm feeling dys, uh, dysmorphic, or I'm, but actually, you know, I've been thinking about the way we communicate. And it seems like sometimes when I bring you things, if, especially if they're heavy, you shut down. Can we talk about that? Have you ever had that conversation? Yeah, it's interesting that I really have. And she shuts down in that conversation, too. And uh, I tell her, like, you know, literally say anything. Like, um, you're not going to say that. I, I understand what uh, Dallas is saying. But, like, you're not going to say the wrong thing. The wrong thing to say is nothing. Mm -hmm. But she completely shuts down. 
um, every time. Yeah, and like I said, I love this girl, but it's it's a really huge. What what problem. what do you? I, I'm not trying to be flip here or an asshole, although that is my natural orientation. But what is it that you love about her? If it's if you do not have any communication, what is what is? <laughs> What is the love? How big are her tits? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not what I'm asking. <laughs> Although I'm obviously very curious. No, but what what do you love about her if you can't have an emotional connection with her? We have an emotional connection, I guess, on other levels, but not on that. We like to joke around a lot. We really get each other. She understands my quirks. Mm, mm-hmm. she, her love language is um, acts of service. So, she so I like to wait on her like, and yeah, like yeah. do things for her. Well. Uh, kind of the opposite actually <laughs> she likes to do things for me oh uh, i see so. oh yeah you might not want to walk away actually now that i'm now that i'm hearing this you might not want to walk away <laughs> you're like you're like you know i can deal with never communicating if she just brings me coffee every morning from now on i mean zach it sounds very difficult because it sounds like a tough situation but what would you do if i told you this about my partner um what would you tell me well, the easy answer is like you need to find somebody else, um, but it's it's hard it's harder than it seems when you're four years in and like you of care course. about this person a lot. And honestly, part of it is I feel like breaking up with her would crush her. Um, and I know that's not on me; that's on her, and she has the work to do. But um, I don't know if you were telling me that. Well, but. But, but Zach, there's a space between, I'm curious what Dallas thinks too, there's a space between I've tried, hit the road, we're done, and I'll just yeah. accept your this lack of communication completely and just uh, enjoy my uh, freshly steamed latte every morning. Like there's something in, <laughs> in between there, which is, hey, we're, is communication saying, hey, we're at a crisis point. I am not going to be able to stay in this relationship if it continues like this. We either need to go to therapy together or we need to have a real conversation or I'm informing you that uh, that I I'm this isn't working and I'm 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 on my way out the door. Like you no know it's not your job to not crush her, you know, because she's a person and people break up and that's life. But it is it, there is an option that's between you know, drop her and stay in in an intolerable situation. Dallas, do you think? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a great way to see it. Like you, you deserve to be happy. You deserve to, to get responses from what you're carrying and whatever, whatever you need, like you deserve that. And so you're four years in. So I think it that relationship does deserve like the effort to be like, look, there are some ultimatums coming down the road here. I need to like, I'm communicating with you. I'm telling you about what I need. And it you're putting the ball in her, her court, but you're also saying I'm we're in this together, whether it's therapy together or whether we try to find something else that can work with, because she doesn't have insurance. Like those things are out there, but you deserve it. And I, I, I don't a, want I, Yeah. I have a much more cynical view than both of you guys. Yeah, Natasha's like, hit the road, <laughs> Zach. She's like, fuck it. Well, I just string. Think Cut the string. There's people who are thinking internally, and there's people who aren't. And I think that if you're a person who's drawn towards introspection, that's great. But, you know, some people are superficial. And I think just can't get beneath the surface, you mean? Yeah. 
that is totally possible that your partner, as lovely as she is, just doesn't have the emotional ability to get beneath the surface for whatever reason. Maybe she's maybe she's not deep. Maybe she's too scared, but she's just stuck. I mean, that is very certainly very possible. Yeah. I like what you said, Moshe, about the we're at a crisis point, because I do feel that way. Like something's got to change, um, whether it's the communication or whether we do end up breaking up. Um, where we are right now is not a good spot. Um, yeah, because even though it feels comfortable in many ways, it's not. Well, four years becomes eight years becomes twelve years before you know it, and you've just been sitting around yeah. not having a conversation, but having a nice latte every day for you know half <laughs> half of your adult life, and you're just like, wait, why didn't I? Why didn't I address this? And I'll tell you, Moshe and I having a kid together has definitely taken our relationship to like way different levels and like way more challenges. You know, I mean, it's like there's a lot of challenges ahead. Right, right, right. We should have a kid. Yeah, yeah I'm, hearing, I'm hearing that you should have a kid. That's what <laughs> that, it's time. It's that's go time. That fixes every couple problem it's, ever. It certainly doesn't kid. fix it. Yeah, do you have an emotionally paralyzed partner? We would recommend parenthood. That's what we have. <laughs> Actually, Dallas has a couple extras that he could probably yeah, send I think, you. Yeah, I could send, ship a couple over to you. That's, that's all right. <laughs> no, but I think Natasha's right. Like right now you guys are in it. I don't know this for sure, but it sounds like you're in a, 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 a not that uh, emotionally it sounds like you're processing a lot of stuff in therapy and stuff but in terms of circumstance you guys are in the 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 younger phase of your relationship Mm -hmm. well if now she's not communicating with you what happens when shit hits the fan in the future what happens if someone gets pregnant what or or someone loses their job or whatever it is if she's already not communicating with you now is the time to have the conversation about not having the conversation yeah, because communication <laughs> to me is definitely a deal breaker. Like yeah. that's something that's like mm-hmm. extremely important to me up at the beginning. Like if you can't resolve things together, then, you know, that is not that that's not good for f- the future. Zach, I think yeah, you know I what you have to do. Agree with that. Yes. Be brave. Be brave till we're at a crisis point and maybe it is the deal breaker. Um I hate to say it, but it, it is really rough to go through despite my morning lattes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, good luck. We're, I know it is easy to say from the other side of a podcast, like, yeah, deal breaker, move on. But it's like, <laughs> you know, that's that's what we're, our job is, is to just hear it and make fun of it and then and then it tell you back what we're hearing. And that's what we're hearing. Well, Moshe and I have an Oscar party to go to. Yeah. So and we Dallas actually has, have to wrap it up. And Dallas has five children he has to care for right now. Okay. Yeah. We got to go. <laughs> Well, no, no. Okay. They're, they're, some of them are old enough they can care for the oh, young ones. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> that's the hack. Brilliant. All right, Zach. Good luck. Okay. Bye, Thank Anne. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, Zach. Bye. Uh, Dallas, you were awesome, and I really feel like um, uh, the conversation that we had, I, even though I'm sure you have had it before, for me it was totally enlightening and totally helpful to, uh, to think about things in those terms, and especially optimism. It's something I struggle with so much, so thank you for bringing a little bit of that positive energy to the pod. And also Dallas, is there anything that you can think about in terms of like creating art, drawings, comics, songs about reconnecting with the earth? Like I know that, that my daughter, she's always asking me like, how can we like be a part of, she's, she just really loves outdoors and, and wants to know how to like just be a part of everything. I I don't know. Yeah. What's your plug? No, I, I I tell you, man, like I, I think that, you know, in order to to 
in order to build a better world, a better future, we have to dream of it. And that means unlocking our our, our creative side, whether right? that's drawing, telling, making podcasts, telling stories, writing, um, you know, seeing a world in which rather than us, you know, driving motorcycles and fucking gas guzzlers everywhere, that we're riding bikes, cruising through some uh, awesome cities of the future. I think that's that's where I want to encourage all of us to dream of. And then also integrate that dream into the work that we do that that i think that's the key right is imagine a future but then integrate that imagination into the work that you do whether it's comedy writing whether it's tv show running or writing or whatever we may be doing i think there's a chance for us to really put the work in and and really that, that i mean that's combating that the peril the, the paralysis that we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier um so i think it it the, the system is designed in such a way that we can't imagine like we we don't allow ourselves to dream and i want to encourage all of us to to take the fucking chance here and really bring our dreams into our lives in our into our into our livelihoods what about electric bikes are you down with those <laughs> great i'm question. down with electric bikes hell yeah electric bikes are great solar powered bikes you know they'll be, they'll well, be we've awesome. got like five of them so if you ever come up <laughs> this way we'll go for a ride um res- yeah. reservation dogs season three will be approacheth Watch seasons one and two on FX. Check out everything that Dallas has done, including the organization work that you've done. Thank you so much for and, joining us. And I know you're working on uh, with my friend Ari Gold on uh, his idea of Frogtown with yes. bicyclists as well. And creating yes, that I'm looking forward to it. sort of utopia. Where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Give us your... Uh, just Dallas Goldtooth on all social media, TikToks, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of it. Just check out Dallas Goldtooth. Uh, check out Indigenous Environmental Network. Great people's doing great work. And um, yeah, we're, we're all in this together. So uh, I got your back. You got mine. Dare to dream. Dallas Goldtooth, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you. This is it. This is... Yeah, we're here. This is, <laughs> this is all we have. <laughs> this is great. I love it. I appreciate yeah. it. Right okay, on. Let thank us you. know when you're in LA, okay? Okay. Will do. All okay. right, Dallas. Thanks Bye, again. Dallas. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Natasha, that was a hopeful and a beautiful episode. And you look beautiful. And I am hopeful that you get to connect with Diana Ross. Dare Ooh, to dream. Dare I'm to so dream. I'm so excited. Natasha. I'm dressed for her. I feel like <sighs> nothing's you're, enough. You're dressed to impress, honey. Yeah. All right. Everybody out there in podcast land, we love you. And then, Natasha, more than anything, I love you. I love you too.